0: as we look together at Luke chapter 18, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 18. I mentioned last week that the theme of Luke's gospel was this, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost, and Jesus was making it clear continually in His ministry that no one could enter into heaven on their own goodness, on their own merit. But if they were to come and acknowledge their lostness and humbly repent of sin, receiving him, that he would invite them in. In his parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector, which is just before the portion of Scripture we're going to read this morning, Jesus illustrated how some looked down on others. Pharisee, thanking God, I thank you that I'm not like this sinner over here, but that I am righteous, that I am so good. And Jesus declared that it was not this one who thought himself (laughs) self-justified, who was going to be justified, but rather the one who was humble, even the tax collector who beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Well, even Jesus' disciples had strong opinions about other people. We do as well, don't we? We size people up. We make our judgments. We determine what we think of others before we even know them. And we need to be taught continually how God would have us succumb to Him. This question, how or who could come to Jesus, is before us this morning. Who can come to Jesus and how are we to come? Well, listen to what is recorded for us in God's Word in Luke 18, starting in verse 15 and reading through verse 17. This is God's own holy Word. Now they, a number of parents, were bringing even infants to Christ, to Jesus Christ, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So far the reading of God's own holy word. May he add his blessing to the reading and proclamation of it this morning. Dear congregation, each time we observe a baptism, an infant baptism, we're to think of the place of children in God's family, in the church, as part of the covenant. We are to engage them, we're to listen to them. Children will often say things that are very revealing, very telling and and candid. Phil Ryken was commenting on that in his, in, in his commentary on this passage. He says, I remember a time when my young sister, she was three years old, was in the back of the car. We were driving to the store and mom and I were in the front seat and my sister was singing in the back seat and she said, she sang this, when will he take the sins away? Then came the response and he said, apparently the song was antiphonal. God already took the sins away, he said to the other guy. He will take your sins away. He will stop your naughtiness. So please come to the safe God. Come to the safe, safe God. That's not in any hymnal, but there's some doctrine there, isn't there? There's a call to personal evangelism to tell the other guy how God forgives sins, to teach, to proclaim. Speak of God's protective care, His preservation of the saints. God is a safe God who preserves and keeps. The Bible says, out of the mouth of babes, God ordains praise. I can remember a time when one of our sons was leading worship in the basement on a Sunday afternoon. and I don't think he knew what we were listening, and he, he was singing... There are no other gods, no other gods, just the one we like. Eh, A little theologically off, but the Spirit was right. He wanted to worship God, and he wanted to say that he liked this God, that he, I trust, loved this God. And it made me think, well, yeah, as I was reflecting on that, yeah, that's, that's the way we ought to think. We ought to be worshiping the one true God and we ought to love this one true God. Children oftentimes shake us out of our guarded, very careful formulations and they say things that remind us again, yes, we can state that very clearly and plainly and simply. Some people underestimate children. Some think that they're less important and adults and even the first disciples were acting this way as Jesus was, was walking along, and Luke was recording uh, Jesus' various teachings. He also captured this, and not only Luke, but the two of the other gospels as well. Three of the four gospels record this event. It's, it's, it's important. Luke tells us that they were, these parents were bringing even infants to Christ, that he might touch them. When the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Now, that's not, a, that's not a new occurrence. So that has a long history in the, in the experience of the people of God. You remember that, that way back in, in uh, uh, Jacob's day, laying his hands, or Joseph's day rather, laying his hands on Ephraim and Manasseh to receive a blessing, to come and bring the children to receive a blessing. Oh, that's what people were doing here. They were bringing... Their children to Jesus. They saw that he was a good teacher, that he, was a, that he was a holy person, and they wanted a blessing. I wonder what they wanted him to say. Maybe there was a, maybe there was a standard blessing, and perhaps there was, but, but what would you as a parent want if, if Jesus was laying his hands on, on your son or your daughter? What blessing would you want? Lord, keep them from all harm. Protect them. Don't ever give them any difficulty, any trouble. Just make it an easy ride. Oh, and make it easy for us, too. Perhaps, right? Jesus can do anything. Well, that would, be, that would sure be nice. But it, but it doesn't work that way. Even in covenant community, we're reminded that we need each other, that we need to encourage each other, and that we need to, to nudge and direct to keep us looking to the one upon whom we must depend. The Lord knows our hearts. He knows that if it was easy and smooth all the time, we'd say, wow, what do we need God for? I've got this pretty well figured out, like we see these religious figures in the Gospels. Well, I've pretty much got this figured out. Lord, you accept me because I'm basically pretty good. Well, I don't think that's what Jesus was doing as he was blessing the children. And I don't think the disciples understood the importance of what Jesus was doing. I can imagine the scene was a rather, rather loud one. I think maybe Jason and Jenna could agree that babies aren't always quiet. I don't know. Maybe Abigail's really good, but maybe there's others of you like me whose babies weren't so quiet. This must have been quite a scene. They're coming with their children, and the disciples are are just, they're upset. Come on, we want to hear Jesus teach. We want to hear Jesus, we want to see Jesus do some miracles. Don't keep bringing the little children. You're interrupting. Jesus says to them, verse 16, but Jesus called them to him saying, let the children come to me. And do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus wanted everyone to know that the kingdom of God was open to the youngest and to the least. An important teaching captured, as I've said already, by three of the four gospel writers. Phil Riken writes this in his commentary, If we love Jesus, then we will love children too. And children will love us because they will see in us the same love that attracted children to Jesus. Well, how do we bring children to Jesus? Well, we do it by reading the Bible to them, don't we? That's where we read of Jesus. There are many good children's Bibles out there that I could give direction to you if you need that. But there are, there are many ways to, to help our children start to see who Jesus is and the importance of who He is to us and to the world. We bring Jesus our or, or children to Jesus when we read the Gospels and and Jesus is saying repent and believe. That's the call. The call is to repent and believe. To turn from sinful ways and believe in Him knowing that in Him there is forgiveness of sins. We bring our children to Jesus when we pray for God to bless them. For God to show His favor, to grant His Spirit to them. We're also called to bring our children to to Jesus for baptism and the passage doesn't have the sacrament of baptism in it but what's happening in this passage is certainly in keeping with the welcoming of children into the covenant community to welcome them that biblical practice of welcoming them in as members of the family of God Jesus wants to bless our children and in the new covenant the sign of his blessing is a sacrament of Christian baptism Jesus welcomed the children. And what did he say? He said this, For to such belongs the kingdom of God. That's a powerful word of the extension of covenant blessing. It's a powerful word. For to such as these belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus says, Let the little children come to me and do not, do not hinder them. And we do this in faith. Faith. Trusting in God's promise to be a God to us and to our children. God's goodness, His faithfulness, is what we lean upon when we do this. Not presuming, but recognizing His goodness and His faithfulness and His covenant. That He will be a God to us and to our children, that He will work faith. That doesn't leave us without responsibility. We're called to protect and to teach. Satan and the world are constantly on the offense in this age, and our children are depraved, and so we must teach the word, instructing them at their level of understanding, teaching them how to be reverent in worship, maybe around the table to begin, and then in church, to pray with reverence before bed, to remind them who's speaking. When God speaks. We listen. Remind them why it is important for them to read the Bible and to call upon Jesus as Lord and Savior. I had this conversation just this past week. I was talking with someone and we were discussing the importance of the church and the home and the school. And, and, and we were discussing that it is so very important for us in the home to be teaching and instructing. It's easy to farm that out and say, well, the church will take care of the catechesis. The school will do that. The Christian school will take care of all of those things. I want to just be known for taking them on fishing trips and, and, and being at all their sporting events and, and, and making sure that their music, musical talent is being developed. I want to be remembered for that. It's very tempting. And, and, and it's not wrong to enjoy those things and to encourage those things and to be there for those things. But our call is... To teach them to fear the Lord, that they might walk in all reflection upon their lives and upon the goodness of God and their, their heart's attitude toward him, that it might be loving. Jesus shows us that ministry to children is not unimportant. You must teach your children. Bring them to Christ. You help them do that. You, you help to bring them to Christ. God ordains that they are put in covenant homes and then, and then we are to be teaching. And then as a covenant community, we are to be sharing what God has done in our lives. Pointing them to Christ to show that God is at work through the covenant community. Jesus' words are very powerful. To such belongs the kingdom of God. And then verse 17, truly, The word is amen in the original. Amen, when Jesus says, this is, listen carefully. He says, truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Well, now what is he saying here? Well, the kingdom of God, here Jesus uses that expression as a kind of shorthand for salvation and its blessings. To enter the kingdom of God is to have an everlasting saving relationship with God. The God who rules the universe, the one whose kingdom is over all, as we heard in Psalm 103, and we just sang. The only way to have that relationship, Jesus says, is to come like a child. Jesus is not saying that we're to be childish. There's no virtue in being immature in our faith. We should want to grow in our faith. We should want to learn. We should, we should take advantage of these opportunities to hear the word taught, uh, to take part in classes, to encourage our children in their preparation of their catechism homework and, and their scripture memorization, that, that they would see, this is important. This is more important than getting some batting cage time. Or more important than, than sitting in a tree stand to, to shoot. Well, we won't go there. This is important. This is, this is foundational. We need to keep growing. And what we should think of as we read these words is the wonderful qualities that, that children typically have. And Phil Riken's helpful here too. He, he gives a few that I want to share. The first is wide-eyed wonder. Children have a way of, of, of being amazed at things. They haven't seen it before. They're, they're stunned. Or if there's a, 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 an infant who's now just starting to see her surroundings and starting to understand what's going on, and she, he or she catches your gaze, and you smile, and she looks with wonder, and then a smile breaks out. There's, there's a connection made there. Well, that's how it ought to be when we hear the gospel, There ought to be this this smile that comes over our face as we hear of what God has done in the Lord Jesus Christ, that He has delivered us from all our sins, that He goes with us each and every day. We have to have this wonder. Think of the young children at at Christmas time when they hear the Christmas story and their smiles as they're singing the song of baby Jesus coming to earth, the Son of God taking on flesh. This wonder, this amazement. When we focus upon God, that smile should come upon our face. Far, often we, far too often we focus on the world and what's going on, and we think, oh, what's happening? And we walk around with our shoulders hung down and our, our countenance just, just there's a, there's a frown. Instead of recognizing that Christ reigns and rules over all and that he wants a relationship with us, he wants us to come to him. Think of that when you, when you think of, of the Lord Jesus leaving glory to come to earth, to be misunderstood, to have all these expectations put on him. Here's what you need to say. Here's where you need to stand. Here's, here's, what you, here's these people. You need to really meet these people. Don't ignore those people over there, but these people, these are the really important ones. Jesus really got a, in all this expectation coming down from glory where he is worshiped and glorified and then being told this, that, and the other thing. It ought to make us wonder how did he, did he live in that, in that pressure, in that environment? How do we do that? We keep our eyes on the Father. The one whom we want to please. wide I wonder. Second, full trust. As a child gets older, comprehends what we, can, what we tell them, they respond with trust, and we tell them like a child in a tree, jump, I'll catch you. Okay, not well. I'm judging the trajectory. I'm looking at the size of my father. I'm the closest to the ground. I don't think so. Jump. And the trust that develops as we depend upon God brings us through many difficulties as they increase. We can have every confidence that if we come to him, he will receive us. We can be, and we must assure our children that it's not reckless to trust in God. But that he is safe, a safe, safe God. A refuge and strength. Wide eyed wonder, full trust, and then thirdly, wholehearted love. Do you know those who are quick to hug, open armed in affection? And 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 you say, ah. I know I can go to that person. I see it with the children here. They see grandpa and grandma, whatever term of endearment they, they use, papa, whatever it is, and they, and they run with their arms open. It should be that way as we think upon, upon Christ's invitation to come. God wants us to come. With open arms, He receives us. Well, that's the word that we want to focus on a bit more the focus of the verse is upon that word receive verse 17 truly i say to you whoever does not receive the kingdom of god like a child shall not enter it what does it mean to receive the kingdom like a child well how do small children receive something in in total dependence they're not paying for it they're they're receiving it as a gift Children come into the world utterly helpless, and for a number of years, they look to others for their daily needs. You don't hear a young child say when they receive something, Oh, you shouldn't have. How much do I owe you for that? We need to receive from God make a declaration of our dependence, offering God nothing except our need and receiving the grace that he gives abundantly. We need to receive God with all the needy dependence of a little child or else we would not receive him at all. The trouble is that over time, we begin to depend upon ourselves. Neil Plantinga writes, Once upon a time when we, we knew how to receive something uncritically and then live off it, but now we're so reliant upon ourselves and so critical of others that it's hard to receive anything from another person. We, 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 become, we start to think we're entitled, or we, we, we did that, or I helped with that, or I, I had some part in that. And, and there's really no better example of that than the rich young ruler that's found in the next verses there in Luke chapter 18. A few verses earlier, Luke provides this contrast between the Pharisee and the tax collector. And then he has this contrast between the little child and the rich young ruler who says to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What can I do? What's the last step? I've, I've done all the others. I've done nine. There's a tenth one that just keeps bugging me. What is it? What can I do? And the Lord Jesus shows in his speech that we need to let go of everything and trust the one true God. Setting all other things aside. What must I do as a minister of the gospel? Well, in season and out of season, the Scripture says I must exhort and teach and and implore the people of God, to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, whether it's popular, whether it's not popular, because it's that simple truth that we might receive the Word as children, knowing that God alone can save and protect. It isn't isn't to negate the call to respond. We should respond And we do so out of gratitude, out of love. We we want to show our our affection for the Lord, not to earn something. One of the main characters in the New Testament is a a beautiful picture of this. Saul, the self-righteous Pharisee. He was gunning for the front of the line, for the top seat in the synagogue, through all of his righteousness, and he became Paul, the humble servant of Christ. He took took on the title of servant of Christ a servant, a slave, a bondservant. And he said this, among other things, whatever I trusted in the past, I count as nothing. I want to be found in Christ. I want to wonder at his marvelous love and powerful obedience. He even saw himself as the chief of sinners. And loudly proclaimed, this is a trustworthy word deserving all acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost sinner, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. He was an example of God's grace and mercy to such a one who thought himself so worthy in himself. And he said this, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. That was his desire. The love of Christ compels me, he writes to the Corinthians, to live in this way. Not to earn anything, but because I love the Lord and I want to do His will. And that's the message that you proclaim to your children, that way you live it out. Showing how to live for the Lord living with wide-eyed wonder, total trust and wholehearted love. God has to do this work in us. It's impossible for us to work it ourselves as we see there later in Luke 18. Jesus says that. We're to become like little children and receive His gift. That's the image throughout the Bible. Heaven is not filled with the adults of God. It's filled with the children of God those who've understood dependence, those who've understood that the images of that, of receiving and not saying, well, how much do I owe you for that? What can I, what, how can I earn that? But rather, thank you, Lord. And to sing His praises forever and ever. Heaven is not filled with self-sufficient adults, but children who receive what could not possibly be attained through human effort. In the act of presenting our children to the Lord for baptism, we ought to be filled with wonder at what God has promised and trust that he will do it and then go forth in love for all that he has already done and continues to do. May God help us to do that. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, it's so easy for us to rest upon our own efforts or lean upon our own efforts. We see the frustration, but we think it means just try harder. When in fact, we are to bring our frustrations and our hurts and our pains and our Confusion to you, that you might lead us to look to you and to see that you are there, going before us, that you know our comings and goings, both now and forevermore, when we lie down, when we rise up, and all along the way, you hear what we say, you know what we think, and you, by your Spirit, speak to our hearts, telling us, come, I am not keeping you from coming, I will not hinder you. For to such belongs the kingdom, to children, to those who come in dependence, in trust, in love. Father, we thank you for your open arms, for your wonderful promises, for the glorious gospel of the forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ. May that be our joy. Hear us, we pray, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Number 446 is the song that we sing. Turning in our hymnals to number 446. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me save that thou art. Let's stand and sing those five stanzas, number 446. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, rich, your richness towards us. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for the institutions that you permit us to raise up. Our parents are engaged in instruction alongside of teachers where we can impart the truths of the faith once for all entrusted to the saints. As we give for Providence Christian Academy this morning, we ask your blessing upon their work. Cause them to proclaim clearly and faithfully, daily, the goodness that you show forth and the glory of your name. Hear us, we pray, as we give our offerings. Amen. Please stand. The Lord is the one who has called us into his presence. The Lord is the one who promises to go forth with us, with you. Hear then this word of God, parting blessing. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Amen.